if you showcase that you're a hard worker, that you'll go very far. You will go very, very far. And I also like to say that people that are that don't shy away from being asked to do something, or as, as I like to say here, everyone sweeps the floor. You know, nobody has defined roles in a small family business. And if you're okay with that, you'll do gr just great. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I am very excited to have Kathleen and Amy Smith, owners of the Saratoga Arms Hotel in Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, New York. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Well, ladies, I'm excited to have two for one today. And we always start this podcast the same way. And it's what was your first job in hospitality? And I want to start with Kathleen today. So Kathleen, what was your first job in hospitality? My first job was being a waitress at a resort in Saratoga Springs during the summer, college summers. And I had an immigrant mother who said, in spite of all the money your father paid for your education, what you did for your college summers has prepared you for what you do in life. And I think that was a slight disappointment to her. <laughs> and I got into the, oh, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going. I want to hear about it. I got into the game when I married a man who had a degree in hotel and restaurant management. And that really decided our family's vocation. We, the kids got involved, everybody got involved. So we used to have restaurants, no harder way to make a living. Mm -hmm. And we got lucky in the early 80s and bought a motel and two bed and breakfast houses on a seven acre piece of property still in the town. And we moved there with three daughters and uh, went to work. And the daughters were, I can answer her question of when she started in the hospitality game. Well, I mean, it, it dovetails quite nicely actually for what I, the oldest daughter started. Uh, my career in hospitality is when my parents, when I was young, as early as two years old, they had, my father had his first bar. It was a blue collar bar. And then we moved, uh, there was an apartment above the bar where my parents moved us all once they had that furnished. And we would be downstairs at the, what we would say the family table for the better part of the day. 
after school, as we got older after school, we would be there. That's where we would be with our parents. And we would, and I remember as a very young kid seeing how the inner workings of a restaurant and, and a bar worked. And uh, my first job was actually when I was six years old, uh, I was clearing tables on busy nights and, you know, we were there. Child labor laws didn't, it didn't really exist in the seventies, I don't think, but yeah. We, my famous story is when I was six years old and my parents were in the kitchen, we had a gentleman that would come to the bar every day after work. He's a blue collar worker and he always would have Jenny cream ale drafts. And my, neither one of my parents were coming out of the kitchen. He sat down at the bar and no, and I knew him. He came every single day and I, six years old, marched right behind the bar, got up on a milk crate and pulled a draft. <laughs> of Jenny Cream Ale, just as my mother was coming out of the kitchen. No, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Uh, it served me well in college, but I don't think I, she didn't start me off as a bartender, that was for sure. Ah, I love it. And my daughter is seven years old, so I can only imagine her running around uh, the restaurants <laughs> doing that. So so Kathleen, as you were waitressing as your first job, you said you met your husband. Was it at that first job that you met oh, him? No, 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 no. I met him years later. So years later. So was that what you wanted to be and go into when you were young? I was working in the finance game and where you made real money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, no, we, I talked him into moving to my hometown, Saratoga, and which is a very seasonal place. The oldest racetrack, horse racing track in America is here. So the summers are very busy. There's a performing arts center. Life is very good here in the summer. So at that time we were, we had restaurants and we had two restaurants on the main street and uh, we were closed in the winter. So that was kind of nice. So you were in finance, and, but how did that restaurant part come? Was it something that he wanted to do and you supported well, he, him? Well, as that he was what he did. Oh, he did it when you met him. Yes, that was, he was a worker in that game. He worked for, at that time, Sears in their coffee houses and cafeterias. And although uh, he was not a big city guy, so when you made it with Sears, you were going to wind up in Chicago. And uh, he knew that was the next step, and he was not eager to do that. So we, he came out and bought a gin mill <laughs> that the children learned what tequila was at an early age, how to spell it. So... <laughs> Wow. So kind of a renaissance man had his restaurants, had his gin mill, and then you all ended up buying a motel together. Correct? Yes. Yes. And how does that conversation start? Because that's very different than owning restaurants. Well, do you remember uh, what that was like? Oh, yes. We uh, we had these bars in a, a college town and New York State went. I don't even know when early, though. They went from 18 drinking age to 19 and the next year to 21. The dram shop law came in, which was the uh, I serve her a drink. She goes out and hits you in a car and you're able to sue me for serving her a drink. And that I don't know if that was successfully done, but it allowed the insurance companies to change their premiums. And mm -hmm. my Irish parents stopped drinking. I thought, my God, if these people will stop, anybody will stop. <laughs> so, and all our profit was whiskey, beer, and wine. The food, we thought if you could break even, you were a wonderful person. Right. So we had to look for another way to make a living. And, and it, I wasn't a drinker, but I was a pusher. You know, that was so one of the, our last restaurant had a big front terrace. And we could have a terrific day without ever having anyone inside, just using the front terrace. It's a mm -hmm. Starbucks now, actually. We didn't own the property. We were renters. 
And all you had to do was make one strawberry daiquiri with the whipped cream and the stra fresh strawberries and walk that through the place and boom, that paid for our winter in Florida every year, the <laughs> strawberry daiquiris. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So have you seen the show Ted Lasso by chance? Was No, and my kids I keep have. pushing me. Yeah. I, I imagine Kathleen, you being like this main one of the characters that runs the bar and it's kind of like the neighborhood <laughs> bar for everybody. Is that what it was like back then? Well, my mother and father had very distinct roles. My father was always the back of the house and yeah. my mother was the front of the house. So she knew she was the social engineer and she still is to this day at our existing property. And my father just liked to be behind the scenes. And I think that's really what, how you get a modicum of success is because there are people that, that know their roles and they work together as a team, but separately mm -hmm. uh, to fulfill those roles. So she was always at the front being with people and uh, sometimes had the attitude of that bar owner. Not all the time, <laughs> but sometimes. <laughs> Well, she's very kind. You know, we'll say that she yes. gets everyone together in there. Exactly. So, so Kathleen, I, I love hearing the origin stories. So you find this motel, you decide you got to find something new and you find kind of this had, dilapidated it motel. Nine, it had a nine room farmhouse on the grounds. So we bought that and did bed pioneered bed and breakfast through the zoning and planning boards here in town. That was in the early 80s. And I can remember making a pitch to the zoning board for breakfast is not, we're not, it's not a boarding house because I'm not charging it for breakfast. And, and as one, and I'm from a, we've been in this town a long time. My parents raised us here. Right. So as one guy on the zoning board is signing the writ and passing it to the next guy, he says, ah, what's the matter with her? She's from a good family. She got to take in borders. You know, they had no, <laughs> they had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. so that was really the start of the bed and breakfast, you know, right. origins. Uh, in the early 80s as well. And uh, I think that 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 my mother and father really created the laws in this yes. town because people, the, the city officials didn't know what it was. It wasn't like a traditional hotel. So they were able to craft uh, the laws and it really, the bed and breakfast all around the city popped up around the 80s, 80s until the mid 90s here in town, as you know, much to my mother and father's credit. So they were always pioneers in this town. I'll, 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 I'll I, I'm very, uh, very proud of that, that they, they started that. Great. And so Kathleen, do you remember opening the doors the first day after you got the laws changed? Do you open this place up? Do you remember what it was like on that first day for you? I was surprised I wasn't making more money. I think the restaurants made more money in uh, because they were open only in the summer when the business was here. And now the kids are in school, so we can't flip to Florida for the winter again. So it was a cut and pay at that time because of the seasonality of the town. That's so, a challenge. And it's a new thing that was going on too, like you mentioned. So not everybody was used to that style of traveling. How did you start getting the word out to start getting people to, to come and stay with you? Well, this is before the internet too. Right. Well, being the first was helpful. We have a wonderful chamber of commerce. I got them to create a new category. So it was motels, it was uh, cabins, it was something. And then I said, okay, bed and breakfast. So the first year there were three of us in that category. The first year the chamber took that on. And the next year there were 33 of us. Wow. So, so it really took off. I think that's ebbing out. I think Airbnbs have put the hammer and nail into that. I, I think uh, I think that was a, a fad that's at the end of its run almost. Yeah, I think we saw that the, on this bed and breakfast. We were able to buy a wonderful 1850 house next door to us, maybe three or four years into the plan. So we had a 
the first motel ever built in town with real knotty pine and Ralph Lauren bedspreads, but the rooms were no bigger than the bed. I mean, they were very tiny. Right. And uh, then we had a medium price farmhouse that didn't have TVs in the room then, total bread and breakfast. And then we bought this 1850 brick federal next to us. So if you called, and which was high end and TVs and all the, the gizzies, if you called and I didn't sell you a room, shame on me. Yeah, you had all you had your own little brand there. You had luxury, <laughs> mid tier, and yes. entry level. And it worked well <laughs> because, uh, well, uh, yes, especially for weddings because people didn't, the bride and groom didn't have to declare the budget for their guests. They're, they could choose it, the motel, the farmhouse, or the high end house. So. So you had those three going. And then, Amy, when did you start getting involved? Because you were saying you were well, working at the restaurants. Well, going, a yes. friend of mine who was a, how would I put it? She went to Skidmore. She stayed on. And a girl without a decimal point. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so she, <laughs> she uh, said, come look at this falling down boarding house on, in town. And these, there were 16 gentlemen in this boarding house. So it was right in the right spot of town. But these gentlemen were all alcoholics, and when they became overserved, they would go to the front porch and throw up onto the sidewalk. So no one would walk by this. Oh, it was terrible. And all, all we were doing was just standing there with an engineer saying, can this building be saved? And it's an 1870 brick federal, or, or I'm sorry, 1870 mansard roof, Second Empire building. It was nice. And it was built as a hotel, and there, 16 rooms. there were 16 rooms, one bathroom per floor three bathrooms in the place and can it ever be saved? And can we add all these bathrooms or et cetera? And the town at that time did not have a four diamond and it was necessary. The town needed a four diamond. So we, and just standing, the local banker walked by and saw us standing on the porch. And are you looking at Alice Bowles rooming house? Come talk to me. So it was that hard, you know, he just made a deal where we had to do it. And that was now what we call Saratoga arms hotel. So that's yeah. So that was in 1997, 98, and this child had taken her master's in sports something. Marketing. Marketing, was working the Olympics in 96 in Atlanta. Very nice. And loved it and was doing all that, not making any money. And uh, now we've had, we have all this, the three other properties on seven acres now. And then we bought this, which was falling down. Really, the kids came home and looked at this and said, mom and dad have gone crazy to do this. And my husband, who was 63 at the time, said, aren't we done? You know, well, what are we doing? And I was 53. Oh, we have one more project. But it's across the street from the city center. It was just perfectly located. Not in the bar area, just a block away from the bar area. So it wasn't craziness. And, and there it was. And then this child, thank God, in 2002 said to her mother and father, is there anything for me if I came home? Oh, well, let, let's uh, let's go back there. So let's go back. <laughs> yes. So we, when they had, when in 1985, when my folks bought the the place on the outskirts of town, we had my sisters and I had a bedroom in the wintertime. But in the summertime, they rented our rooms because it was a bed and breakfast, <laughs> and they regaled us out to the cabin in the back, uh, which was our summers every, and then we had to serve our guests breakfast. We had to clean 
the, the rooms. There are a lot of things that we did as kids because my parents were entrepreneurs and they lived in their business that uh, we helped support them. So as you can imagine, when I went off to college, I had absolutely no interest to be in the family. Right. Business. That was be my question. So yeah. when you were in high school doing this, you're like, oh my gosh, mom, I, I got to go with my friends. I can't clean the rooms. Was that kind of what was going on? No, oh, no, that was not an option. Steve, that was, that, was, that was not an option. I have to go with my friends. Oh, no, no, your friends can wait. Or or better yet, come bring your friends. We need some help. We need some help stripping the sheets. Bring them over. I, I did. My parents did hire all my friends and my sister's friends to, to work the summers. So I, as you can imagine, I was not, I did not have any interest in coming back. And, and I saw how hard my parents were working. It was just, it was, it was quite a, quite a business. So I had, she's correct, in 96, I worked the Olympic Games down in Atlanta. And when my parents were in the, the buying phase of the, the rooming house on the, the, downstairs, the downtown area on Broadway, which is now Saratoga Arms Hotel, uh, which was, it was in 1997. And we didn't, I was at a crossroads in my job. So at that, I came home at that point and I said, let me transition you through. I'll work the bed and breakfast in the motel so you can focus all your efforts on getting Saratoga Arms up and running. And we did that. And what had happened was I ended up running that business by myself for three years. So my parents had the high-end property in downtown Saratoga, and we were just on the outskirts of town on seven acres of land. And again, it still worked. If we didn't, if if someone called up one of us and we didn't grab you, we had four distinct properties, then that, you know, shame again, shame on us. So I worked that and then we just we had a we got lucky. We got a buyer out for the uh Saratoga bed and breakfast and the Saratoga motel. And at that point I said, Ooh, I'm not sure if I want to go back into the corporate world. I like being my own boss. I have it's a lot of benefits working in a business that you know you have some sense of control, control over. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said to my folks, what would you think about me coming into the fold really full time with Saratoga arms? And I think they liked that, but it, 16 rooms was not going to support two families. Right. That so, was my next question. So in 2004, we put on an addition and doubled our size and put in a large conference room uh, and now increased our rooms to 31 renting rooms. And that was then able to support that. And then I moved down there. So I want to go back to when you first came back in, when you're running the motel kind of on your own. Yeah. yeah. Were, were you sitting there like, what is going on here? Or did you grow up in it and you knew the business already? Because it's one thing to kind of help out and work there as an employee, but once you have to like call the shots, was it different for you? Or was it like, we've been doing this for a long time. It's the same. Not thing. only did she know how to run the business, but she knew that once we get you, we got you. So we see the same people for 20 or 30 years. So she knew all the clients. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So some, it was, you know, I've, we I was doing it since I was 14 is when we, so, and I would come home during the summers and mm -hmm. uh, see the same people during my college. I had ended up working at a, at restaurants and bars rather than working with my parents' business, but helping out again and again with from time to time when I was in college and I was older, you know, I was in my mid twenties. I was able, I was a little bit more confident about, you know, I had some corporate experience. I love the marketing. I, I think I was, I designed our first website in 1996. Wow. So you had to, use, had to use AOL to get on there. 
It was, yes, I can still hear that dialogue. Yeah, exactly. So I guess another other question for it is when you're working with your parents, were there things that you wanted to do that maybe got nixed because your parents still had to say, or were you able to work together pretty well at the beginning? Well, I think because we're in two separate properties, they didn't have the time or the space to micromanage and, and they sort of had to entrust me to know what I was doing or what I loved the most is they were just two minutes down the road and they had all this wealth of experience. So there'd be a lot of times where I would call or we would have dinner together and I would ask, how would you handle this? What did I do? You know, Steve, early on, she said, we're going to hire a website designer for the new website and she's mm -hmm. going to cost us $25,000 and she lives in Hawaii. Nobody works in Hawaii. And she says, what is this? $25,000 for a website. And, and this is way back when. Mm -hmm. And then she said, all right. She's very clever. All right. If I sell, what was it? $25,000 worth of gift certificates for the hotel before Christmas. Mm -hmm. Would you give me? I said, yes. We'll give you the okay. And I thought, once that new website got open, bam, Katie bar the doors. And I thought it must be tough working with old people who can't see spending twenty five thousand <laughs> on that. So, I love that. Those are the kind of stories I love because it's going to happen. I'm sure to Amy. If you have you have kids, Amy. I have two boys, and they have been working at the hotel since they were eleven. They have again told me that they will never be, and they've they've seen <laughs> the evolution, and they've seen the craziness during COVID, and they always yeah. ask me, "Why are you doing this?" <laughs> so, they will never be in the business. I can barely get them to come down for dinner. <laughs> so, well, they're going to create a new way of doing it. They'll have uh, some virtual and augmented reality that they'll pitch you on. Yes, Amy. yes, yes. You just, you just never know what, how I never, mm -hmm. I never thought I would be back, but here I am. I've been back for almost uh, 28 years. So no, I love it. So when you decided to make the decision, because the big decision was doubling the size of the hotel, right. And selling the other portion of it. How did that decision come? that came in 2004 but we had this bank really you put your bucket out front they fill it up you pay them back their only the only wrinkle is you have to pay them back right and they're they're a local hometown community yes. community bank family they, owned same yeah. same operation as we are mm -hmm. and what's the name of the bank let's give them a shout out today the adirondack trust company all right so they came in and said we'll support you we've seen you doing great for the community you know, we're gonna buy this and now we need an addition and and so how does that work? Because a lot of people don't know when to grow their business or when to double the size of their business. How did you decide? Was it just a gut feeling like we need this and business is good? Or did you write a big business plan? And we sold out the hot times too fast. We know we and we needed we needed infrastructure too. We needed a commercial laundry. We needed offices. We were working on our laps. And, you know, no, it was it, it was we needed the space. And while we're doing it, 17 more rooms came in. We also saw that during certain periods, we were just busting at the seams. So if we we could sell 12 more rooms during our high season and just also decided to specialize in the executive meetings and retreats as well, but that corporate where they maybe just want the whole, actually like right, right now. now, we have a group in for five nights they have taken over the entire property and they are here for their annual retreat and they love it because this is their property. They have our chef 
privately for the entire week. They have run of the, the whole grounds. They have the front porch, they have everything. So it's, and they're all under one roof. So we, we're, we're perfect. That, that 30 room, um, 31 is perfect for a small retreat where they want to be all together. So and, and that's great. And listeners, if you're not driving, take out your phone or look on the computer and put in the Saratoga Arms Hotel website. It's a beautiful hotel. I love what you all have done with it. And Thank it really you. brings the history out. Of, you can feel it from the city. It's uniquely local. I can see it from the pictures, even reading all your reviews. I read all the reviews from the last year and two years to see how you all were doing. And you you do what you say. You've got almost five stars on there. And that's really hard to do yeah. in this day and age. And so I wanted to ask about that. It's how do you run the hotel? Like you mentioned earlier, Kathleen, like you had a front and back of the house with your husband. What's it like with you and Amy now? I see you have a team of people helping you at the oh, hotel. Yeah. Operations to hit those big scores Actually, of getting the awards. What, changed, what, what really put us on the map was hiring an inspector for the inspector. So <laughs> don't you think? Because no, I, we're very clean and I just drove up from Florida and I thought I was staying in good places and nobody is, nobody's as tough as I am. And this was a Hilton and God, I want to write to the Hilton and say, you missed, <laughs> you missed totally, even though you got all this big play in a news, in a magazine, a trade publication, but it was terrible. I, I think that it was the family that did everything. So mm -hmm. it was my father who did the cooking. My mother was at the front of the house and I call myself a jewel of all trades. So there are many times that I was in maintenance. There was many <laughs> times that I was in housekeeping. I was working the corporate retreats, service person. So when we were able to get, to increase our revenue just by just sheer determination and hard work, it allowed us to hire good people. Yes. And we have a, a real phenomenal team. And I think that the most important thing that we can do as owners is impart how we want to make our guests feel when they come through our doors. And we have done a really good job that because when, if my, my mother goes away for the winter in Florida now, so she's not here. And a lot of times people come to see Kathleen because they love Kathleen, but now they come because they love Saratoga arms and the other, it's the extension of the other guests of the, of the other staff members to our guests. And I don't feel like we have really skipped a beat there. You'll see uh, when you, if you've looked at the reviews, you'll see a common thread. We're very clean. Mm -hmm. We're centrally located and we've got a great team. Like everybody is so incredibly friendly and that to me, we've done our job. We really have done our job. So how do you empower your team to do that? Cause like you said, Kathleen, you've been to many hotels and it doesn't give that same vibe. They're very cold. How do you do that with your team to where they're warm and genuine and treat the guests like you want them to. How do you get them to do that if you're not there all the time? Well, we've hired a general manager in the past three or four years. We've never had that before. And uh, she's phenomenal. Yep. She is. And she's putting this team together. And there, it's, payroll's a big factor now in expenses. Yeah. But I think that's something you have to have in order to be successful. The hardest part is imparting your knowledge and, and how you want things to be. But I also believe that you can get an idea when you're sitting down with someone at the hiring stage of, yes. of, of whether they have that, that hospitable hospitality mindset. Um, mm -hmm. 
quickly. And we have people for a long time. So we've had people for four, five, six years, and it, it just translates to the next person, the new person that's hired. We just have a brand new hiring crew and the people that are training them are imparting their knowledge. So it's not necessarily my mother or I that have to do that, but it, it is a mindset that is just easily going from the older to the newer folks. And on day one, when, so, when a new employee comes in, they're empowered with a $50. If we have a problem and you can fix it for 50 bucks, go to it. Take it off the room rate when the city decided to jackhammer the sidewalks at 7.30 in the morning. You know, all these, cra- anything can happen. Yeah, and it is. It is a lot. It is allowing them to make the decisions and to sort of debrief after the fact. Yeah. So it really people want to be empowered. They want to yes. know that they can make the decisions on their own. So that's great. And I see that your general manager Rachel, she's been with you for a long time, and yep. she started out as a concierge, right? It has yes. moved her way up. Or how did you empower that? How did you make that happen? How did you reward that person? Because a lot of people wouldn't promote somebody maybe like that. It, 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 we had no choice. really she was just so good she you you could tell right away you could tell where she was that was it was just not enough and she was always asking for more she was always doing more she had these great ideas she didn't back down from us in terms of she has a sense of how things are supposed to be that is almost identical if she would be a, a a family member just has that when I told her that, Rachel, I think I'd like to adopt you. She said, no, I know how much you owe. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't skip a beat with that. <laughs> so I know I, the mortgage. I, I think we just, we just real got, we got very, very yes. lucky. We just got very lucky and we count our blessings every day. She's just great. I love great. to hear that because it's all about building culture, especially in these special places. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that you will continue to grow the hotel or is this the one hotel that you will have? What is the, the vision for the next couple of years? Well, we're just celebrating our 25th anniversary uh, mm-hmm. at this property. I think over just about 40 years in, in the hotel yeah. game. Yeah. So we have built out our lot line. So there's not a blade of grass left for us to put another room. Don't foresee us buying any more properties, I don't think. Uh, we've had opportunities to, it just hasn't fit into the portfolio of where we are now. We never say never because we always like to see, and, and it would, it would be in our hometown. It would never be, I don't oh, think no. we're, we're not going to, we're not looking for a, a collection over the East coast or, or things like that. So. And in year 25, what are you doing to celebrate? Well, we are, uh, it was, it's December, uh, 25 years ago. So we are getting through our busy season, but we, we're going to do a community event. We're going to do a guest event and then we're going to do a staff event. So we're going to plan those for the fall. Uh, we did something for our 20th anniversary as well, brought the community in with pictures of old, old pictures, what it was like before we renovated and different quotes. And we'll do something like that, but a little bit bigger. And so for someone like me, who's never been to your hometown, how would you describe it to somebody to make them want to come there? Well, the prices are so high now. (laughs) I think they figured it out. We're three and a half hours from New York, three and a half hours from Boston, three and a half hours from Montreal, and it's just the right speed. And the oldest racetrack in America, a performing arts center. It's the summer home of the New York City Ballet and the Philadelphia Orchestra. 
Summers are nice. It's it's a wonderful, it's because it's centrally located between those three metropolitan areas. They give you everything. Saratoga, for a small town of 28,000, the food scene here yeah, really rivals a lot of like Hudson and it's just north of New York City. But we have, we're right at the foothills of the Adirondack Mountains. So if you're outdoorsy and you want to get out, you can do that. If you want culture, we have, as my mother said, the Performing Arts Center. We um, have the racetrack. We have a tremendous amount of museums in this town. We're a very, very walkable downtown. People are shocked. And you stay with at Saratoga Arms. You don't get in your car. You come in on a Friday. You will. You don't have to get in your car until you come home. You leave on that Sunday if you're here for a weekend. So it's just a really quaint but cosmopolitan area. It really is wonderful. No, I love it. And just looking online, it looks like straight out of central casting for like the small town that has a great vibe, historic vibe of everything you would want. So I love seeing that. You know, I have a a question just about people starting out right now. Maybe they want to buy a motel or a boutique property that's about your size. You've been doing it for a long time now. What advice would you give to somebody if they were looking to buy? You know, I see it now, people buying motels and trying to make it trendy, but doesn't have the right culture. What do you see kind of, what would, advice would you give to be successful? Have a little money in your pocket. It's <laughs> a great one to have. Yes. I also think it's really important to, to really cultivate a relationship with a lender. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you many people don't, especially when they're starting, they don't have a lot of money and a lot of collateral. And I know that a lot of community banks are going by the wayside, but you know, people that in communities where there is a strong tourist area, there, there's always a community bank that wants to see the area grow and um, be successful. So I would say, make sure that you get in very quickly and uh, cultivate a relationship with, with that sort of lender. Uh, I would also say that you don't need to go to school for this. None of us went to school for this. I yeah. I got my undergrad degree in philosophy and my grad uh, work was in sports marketing of all things. Uh, my father was the only one that went to um, school for front hotel restaurant management. I think if you have a little uh, business acumen and you uh, have a sense of how to serve and that it is how to serve, then I think you'll do just fine. I love hearing that. And so if they want to build a culture like yours, right? Because we talked a little bit about your culture. How would you tell them to start? I think you have to lead by example. I think it would be very, very hard to write a playbook, hand it off, and then be an absentee owner. I think that's one of the things that that has helped us is that we have been so hands-on for so long that they see it. They see how my mother and I interact with the guests. They see how we interact with the people, the vendors that come through our door, the workers that that make us successful, the plumber that we need on a on a Sunday, and how you know we'll invite him for breakfast before he goes in and clears whatever he needs to clear. It's it's just a way of treating people that it should be infectious. Um, and then once you do that for a long time, then you hire the people that see it as clearly as you do. We, there has been a few years, a couple of years where we have taken a step back than the actual day to day and mm-hmm. work more on you know the business and in the business. But we do, I don't feel like we're missing anything. It's, well, I mean, I and we and we monitor that. We monitor that with reviews. We monitor that with just the staff satisfaction and just make sure that everything is still working very well. And we're very happy it is. Gosh, that's great advice. 
you've been doing this a long time now. And so I want to kind of wrap up on, on a final question for both of you here. So Kathleen, you've done this now with restaurants, bars, motels, now four-star hotels. Yes. If young Kathleen was starting out today on your team at your hotel now, what mm. advice would you give to young Kathleen starting out today? Well, marketing was so different in my young years as opposed to marketing now. And I think marketing is very, very important. So you have to know a little bit of that. I taught courses for years at community colleges in the area on um, how to open a B&B and how, what the permits are that you needed. And no one, <laughs> this is a telling, no one ever opened a successful B&B. No, they were all dreamers. They didn't have a plan. They didn't have any money. They didn't have a property. They, And you tried to rein them in to say, this is what's important. Oh, no, I'm going to make my grandmother's lemon curd pancakes and the people are going to love it. And they just, you, you know, you were just trying to bring them into reality. That was back then. It takes a lot of money now. It takes a lot of money. Get yourself a good backer. But then again, you're working for somebody else. <laughs> and that's, that's true, though. But that's what people need to hear. Yeah. It is the true. Would you say you need about a year's money if you want to start a year's worth of money to, to be in the business? Well, it depends on the condition of the property you're buying. This place was pitiful. As we like to say, it was never abused, but neglected. So yeah. there was, there's some wonderful, wonderful features in a building that was built in 1870 that we were able to save, but yet everything needed to be updated. All oh. of the HVAC the wiring, the plumbing. So there was an infrastructure lift that was enormous here. We had to put in an elevator into an old building. So it was, it was yes. a lot. Some yeah. nice surprises for sure in these old oh, that's, that right. that's right. And so Amy, I want to ask you kind of similar question, but with a little bit of a twist, because you've been in this industry since you were born. Yeah. And so if you were talking to young Amy pouring that draft and she was looking to start as a little busser, if we had no labor and employment laws. What advice would you be giving to young kids coming into the industry? You know, they're starting their first job as a host or a busser. What advice would you give them? So I, I take it very seriously here at Saratoga Arms because my boys are teenagers now. I will hire their friends because I find it very interesting that many kids don't know how to set a table. They don't know how to look other people in the eye when they're talking to them because it's just they're they're not used to the the, the face-to-face interaction with people and i also will tell the moms and the dads is this is the perfect first job for your kid this is a family-run business even though it's in a you know what we say you know whether it's in the dining room in the kitchen which sometimes is it's a little problematic but not here and they will learn a lot about other people and they'll learn a lot about how to um, speak up for themselves. If you showcase that you're a hard worker, that you'll go very far. You will go very, very far. And I also like to say that people that are that don't shy away from being asked to do something, or as, as I like to say here, everyone sweeps the floor. You know, nobody has defined roles in a small family business. And if you're okay with that, you'll do gr just great. Great. And you know the old adage, if you can lean, you can clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> I love that one. That was one of the first ones I heard when I was a teenager. Yeah, sure. and, I, and I think that's a great last piece of advice to finish our conversation on today. 
Kathleen and Amy, I appreciate you very much for joining us. You are pillars in your community. I love seeing what you're building and what you've created for your community here in Saratoga. I'm excited to come visit. My brother lives in New York, so now it gives me an excuse oh. to come say hello in person uh, one day soon, maybe even with my kids. Uh, but if somebody wants to connect with either of you or the hotel, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Our website is saratogaarms.com. There you can find out a contact all, um, each of us individually. I'm also, I personally, Amy is on LinkedIn. Um, Kathleen, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give Kathleen a phone call at the hotel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes. If you call the hotel and, and we will be certainly to uh, be able to call you back or, or reach out there. And Steve, well, our number one question from guests, new guests is what does Saratoga Arms mean? <laughs> well, and, why don't you give it to us? Let's finish on that. What does it mean? So in England and Ireland, when the English owned Ireland, it, you were afraid of highwaymen when you traveled in the 17th, 18th century. So if you went into an area and there was a lodging property and the knight in that area put his coat of arms on the building, that means he protected the people that stayed there. So you weren't going to rob them or you'd have to answer to the knight and his army. So they would, you know, so everything was blah, blah, blah yes. with arms. And the interesting fact here is that the Saratoga Arms, we have um, 11 fireplaces and many of them right underneath the mantle have a coat of arms, different coat of arms on each fireplace, yeah. which is interesting. That's so. really what mm -hmm. Gosh, I love that. So listeners, listen, we have another reason to come visit. We've got some <laughs> good history. We're going to look at these coat of arms and put them on social media so we can spread the word about their beautiful hotel. And ladies, if any of our listeners can do anything for you, you know, our, our, we're an active audience, so we're happy to share and post things, especially if they're coming up with you. So I appreciate you joining us today. Thank, Thank you very you much. Me. It was a lot of fun. It was. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.